about this plan of yours. I think it's good, except it sucks. So let me do the plan, and that way it might be really good. Wow. part of the It's Good Except It Sucks look at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm Tim Worthington and joining me again is David Smith. David, last time we were talking about Series 3, between Series 3 and Series 4 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., there was a web-only special called Slingshot. There was, yeah, starring um, Yo-Yo Rodriguez, who had just been introduced in Series 3 and went on to become a, a regular cast for the rest of the series. Yeah, it's a bit of a slight story, really. I think there's six episodes and they kind of more or less add up to a regular episode, but it's basically that she asks Daisy, I think, to erase any trace of a mission that she went on that got a little bit too personal before they signed the Accords of Captain America Civil War. It seems to be quite liked, but there's not very much substance to it, is there? It was this spin-off. I think they were planning on doing this for quite a few characters and they ended up only doing it for Slingshot. They were making the new season of S.H.I.E.L.D. at the same time and they decided that they wanted to have some kind of web presence as well. So they already had film and television and they wanted to do sort of web videos too. And so they decided to do this little spin-off that I think wasn't going to fit anywhere into the real television series in a way that would fit within the plot and within the episodic format. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember enjoying it, even if it was, because it's not just Yo-Yo that appears, it is the rest of the cast that shows up. And yeah, so they've kind of got this sort of side story going on, just as a sort of, for the people that want to find out what happens, they, you know, they can still watch the show without it, but it's a good way to sort of add a bit more backstory to a character that might not have otherwise gotten it in those early days. It is, but equally, the fact that they're all in it brings me around to my major problem with it which is that it does kind of explain why at the start of season four that she's got very strange relationships with mac in particular and also the fact that she's back in touch with daisy who's kind of gone rogue after the events of the end of series three and those things just happen in the upcoming episodes and aren't really elaborated on and they're elaborated on in this and i kind of think in a way that's a little bit unfair on people because we're already talking about something that not everyone who watches the films is watched anyway and to then say here's some extra homework you've got to go and watch the web series I can see why they didn't do any more of it really I remember when Kevin Feige was talking about this and talking about the fact that the television series don't really you don't see the TV characters appearing in the films and the reason being is that he didn't want people to have to think that they have to watch the TV series in order to understand what's going on in the films there's a fine balance as a writer that you have to get where people can tune in and watch it and know what's going on without feeling like they need to do their homework like you say i think the fact that it's only the episodes are only what four or five minutes long each one so it's not much of an investment but at the same time it does if they can find a way to not have it interfere with the plot or not detract from the plot in the way that uh, some other ones do it's a fun little diversion but i wouldn't say it's absolute must viewing if you're um looking to get into the mcu but definitely must viewing is season four because it starts as it means to go on with the first appearance of ghost rider and also later in the series you get the dark hold which is kind of an enchanted book now both of those things i think this is quite significant because you know with the netflix series 
that was where they started doing the vigilantes because obviously there were some issues with doing some of them in films where you know you wouldn't really want kids going to see Jessica Jones or the Punisher yeah the anti-heroes exactly but with this I feel with those two elements they're testing the ground for bringing Marvel's horror elements into the MCU the talk at the moment is that Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness will effectively be a horror film and I've got a theory because they've already cast Blade but not announced a Blade film the Blade is going to show up in that that's a good theory I like that there's different parts of the Marvel Universe obviously you've got the uh, the cosmic part and you've got the sort of magic part which is Doctor Strange and then yeah you've got the kind of spiritual part and I think Ghost Rider kind of fits into that because it's sort of meant to be a spirit from hell that's possessed him it was definitely the most high profile character to appear in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in a, in a sort of main role in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to date when I announced it the only knowledge I had of Ghost Rider before was obviously the Nicolas Cage films <laughs> and I remember hearing that they were a bit of a joke. And so I was looking at it and going, really? You're going to do Ghost Rider? Okay. And then I heard the other thing about how... Because this was the one... You talked about the pods in the last episode, about how each season was kind of structured in pods. And the previous ones had kind of been sort of half and half in that the first half of the season would have one arc and the second half would have another. But these were tight eight-episode pods, three pods over the course of season four, of which Ghost Rider was the first one. Personally... I think season four of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is one of the best seasons of any television show I have ever seen. Because I remember it being so tight and so tight-knit and so gripping and thrilling in terms of the plot and in terms of the, where it goes and the, the different places that it takes you over the course of the season. And the fact that you can look at Ghost Rider and you can then look at the LMD arc and the Agents of Hydra arc and each of them is completely different. I think Ghost Rider was a good start to the season. It was a way of bringing in new elements to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that hadn't been there before. I mean, in season three, we had the cosmic with Hive and with the other planets. The season before that, we had the supernatural with the Inhumans. The season before that, season one, was just kind of a bit sort of like a spy show, really. So it seems like with each season, they're adding a different level to it. And as we can see when we get on to season five, they introduce time travel, which is an entirely new thing as well. So it does seem like every single season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is its own kind of, its own thing, like you said. Well, the other two pods technically constitute horror in the broader sense anyway, because as you alluded to, there's the interlude with the life model decoys, which are, they're simply synthetic humans that's kind of like a black mirror sort of storyline as is the agent Hydra bit with the framework where they're kind of in not quite an alternate reality but that again is kind of a backdoor thing too there used to be a long-running marvel comic called what if yes where it would turn stories on their head you know well-known marvel details and they are making a series of that for disney plus at the moment where it's gonna be things like one of them has got to be what if it's the other people that survived the snap in infinity war and you look at the cast list that seems to be bearing that out but there's going to be things like what if peggy carter was a super soldier instead of steve rogers this is basically a what if not quite what if they'd all worked for hydra but without giving too much away it's along those lines it is i mean the first episode of the agents of hydra block is called what if it's literally that. Oh, it is, yes. yeah. The story about line about that is they've all been kind of put into Marvel's version of the Matrix, as it were, and they are living out this sort of, they're in their kind of mind prisons within this computer network where they've all had one thing changed within their lives that has completely changed, like something pivotal has been switched. One of the characters had a child die when they were very young and that child has survived and so that's completely changed what their character is. And all of these storylines, these people have been trapped inside their own minds and only 
only one or two of the characters know who they really are and they have to go and rescue them. And some of the characters are completely different. You know, some of them have gone from being very good to complete evil. When you combine that with the, the life model decoy section, which is kind of like Westworld in terms of you don't know who's a real human and who's a robot and it can get properly terrifying at times. There's one scene with um, Fitz and Simmons where they know that one of them is a human and one of them is a robot, but they don't know which of them it is. And there's the, they have this kind of emotional breakdown and it just introduces new tests for the characters that give you a, let you see a side of them that you never saw before. And it was genuinely one of the only times I can think of in a television show where I was dying to find out from week to week what was going to happen because it was so tightly written. And because it was only eight episodes, there's no filler. The entire thing is story from start to finish. Well, obviously, What If was a comic before that, but I like to think that the sort of What If series was kind of sort of spun off from this in terms of the inspiration for it because it worked so well and it was so well received. And I think the character of Ada that's introduced in this season, the android that Holden Radcliffe creates, is a fantastic, fantastic character in terms of, again, you don't know her motivations, you don't know if she's working because she's evil or if that's just the way she's programmed and it's her programming carrying out what it's supposed to. So yeah, I, I don't really have much of a bad bad word to say about any of this season at all. I think it is utterly incredible. I think Gabriel Luna is really, really good as Ghost Rider as well, because it's the Robbie Reyes version. For anyone who isn't familiar with Ghost Rider, I mean, for a long time, all I knew about him was in the back of Marvel Comics where there'd be plugs for the other Marvel comics. There's this comic with a blazing skeleton on the motorbike. <laughs> that was like the best thing ever, but they never seem to have it in shops over here, and obviously there wasn't, as far as I could tell, ever a UK edition of it. Originally, he was Johnny Blaze, who was a stuntman who sold his soul to become the Ghost Rider. Again, an anti-hero, you could say roughly doing good, but not in a doing good kind of way. But this is Robbie Reyes, who has a vintage hot rod rather than the motorbike. And he's taken on this role because he has to look after his disabled brother. He's haunted by Ghost Rider, but not in the kind of, you know, not in the sort of usual way that, you know, it would be presented in American TV series or indeed in the terrible Nicolas Cage films, you know, with all (laughs) human guilt or whatever. It's just, he's kind of, I wish I could control this. And he can't because it's a higher purpose. He doesn't have the ultimate say over it, really. Yeah, it's kind of like it, it's it's like another version of the sort of Hulk, Mr. Hyde kind of thing. It's this person that comes out that he doesn't have control over that sort of appears on a, on a whim whenever it decides to. There's There doesn't seem to be a real trigger for it. There is actually a reference to Johnny Blaze in one of the episodes about him being a previous Ghost Rider. I mean, again, I, I don't want to spoil too much, but eventually there's someone else that takes on the mantle of Ghost Rider by the end of the arc. I, I think it's a storyline that hasn't quite been resolved yet, but we'll see what's Season 7 brings us. Well, they were originally planning a spin-off Ghost Rider series, which never happened. There have been a couple of those. The thing is that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has produced a lot of characters that have been so well-received that they've thought, OK, let's make a TV series out of them. So, particularly, Mockingbird is one of them, who was removed from S.H.I.E.L.D. so that she could then star along with her husband's character, who I, I can't um, I can't remember his name at the moment. I can't bland. Yeah, it was was the the English guy, Lance Hunter. That's his name, Hunter. And so the two of them made a pilot for a show called Marvel's Most Wanted, fully thinking that this would be, they'd have this whole sort of platform of TV Marvel shows and they'd have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and they'd have Most Wanted and they have Inhumans and a whole bunch of others. And then it was never picked up. So they had this send off. 
And then their pilot was never successful and they just never appeared in the show again. I think Hunter did appear in a couple of episodes in season five, maybe, but they were never fully brought back in as regular characters. Yeah, I think Ghost Rider was another one where they thought, we've got a great idea for a TV series and it just never happened. And it did seem like they started moving into, the, well, they, first of all, they moved into the Netflix series and then they finally decided that they were going to integrate the films and the television shows with all the Disney Plus series that are coming down the pipeline. Which is a shame because I think Gabriel Luna is a fantastic ghostwriter like you said and he's, he's one that's got good motivations he's not just an anti-hero he has an arc that's sympathetic I think he appears in the finale of season four but other than that I'm kind of disappointed that we haven't seen him since because I think it would be good for him to come back but then again it's hard to make him fit in with the storylines that go on in season five and six because they take us to some completely different places they do indeed so moving on to season five now the interesting thing about this series is it was intended to take place during roughly the time frame of infinity war now there are some rumors half confirmed on some of the commentaries that they considered as well as having the defenders in infinity war and endgame having some of the agents of shield in instead we got this which is really really mind-bending because it does take place mostly in outer space and i'm gonna let you try and explain the plot to be honest (laughs) well the thing was originally that because of the stupid way that american television works is that when season four of agents of shield finished they had no idea if they were going to get a season five and they only found out with about two weeks before the finale was due to air something like that as i understand it and so they quickly filmed this scene where the agents are taken away and uh, you suddenly see colson in space and then they wrote one of the crazier stories i've seen where you find out that they haven't actually gone into space they've gone into the future and this is something you find out over the course of the season they've gone about something like 90 years into the future into a bunker that is called the lighthouse and what happens is that there has been some kind of cataclysmic event that has shattered the planet earth into several thousand pieces and the lighthouse bunker is on one of the larger fragments and the surviving humans on board have been not enslaved but they're sort of uh, they've become second-class citizens to an invading group of Kree who make their return after having appeared in Guardians of the Galaxy and having played bit parts in seasons one and uh, two of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And so they spend the first half of the season trying to get back to their own time and then they spend the second half of the season trying to prevent the cataclysmic event that causes the dystopian future that they live in. The thing about this season that makes it very different from the one that came before is that between season four and five, the production had their budget seriously slashed and so the vast majority of season five takes place within the bunker takes place within a single set that they just redress depending on what they require whether it's in the future whether it's in the present they spend most of their time just in these dark tunnels in these dark rooms there's very little on location filming done i think the only on locate the proper on location filming that they do is the finale of season five where they go to chicago but other than that it's mostly in this bunker underground and in the future. It's very different from what came before, and I still I still really enjoyed it, but at the same time, it was very different, and I'm not sure I enjoyed it as much as season four, but they, they introduced a couple of good characters, and some of the things that the characters get to do is different to anything that's come before. And like you say, they kind of completely avoid Infinity War, completely. I think they were trying to say at the beginning that it takes place just before, because I think they mention events happening in New York, and that's supposed to reference the moment when Doctor Strange is captured by Thanos minions that's supposed to be when that's happening and it's never really mentioned again and then there's all these theories about because the mcu films are never mentioned again after
after this point. And the prevailing theory amongst the fans is that by traveling forward in time, they've done the thing that's talked about in Avengers Endgame, where they've gone to a different timeline, one in which Thanos never happened, or one in which something has happened to cause Thanos to not snap the universe. Or another theory is that the snap has happened and somehow, miraculously, all of the agents survived and they're just carrying on as if and no one's ever mentioning it. So there's a couple of different theories, but because time travel is involved, I think it's got to the point where they're just saying, we're not going to try and match up with the films anymore. We're just going to do our own thing. And then, you know, whatever happens, happens. And I think there's something because of the time travel in season five, I think that gives them a freedom that they didn't really have before because they were trying to stick to this frame set out by the films. I didn't think I'd see you again. He surprises you. I'm tired of hiding. Let's take the fight back home. I want to burn this world to the ground. This thing in you, is it as desperate to destroy it as we are? Kill everyone you love right in front of you. Finale of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. next Tuesday, ABC. Yeah, the time travel theory does make sense. It also kind of explains why in season six, which only about 13 episodes, that I'm on the fence as to whether I think they were actually out with phase time-wise or whether i mean there are a couple of lines in series six to indicate that like you say miraculously they had all survived the snap but other people hadn't because you've got a couple it's doesn't it jump forward a year and you've got a couple of new characters indicating maybe some agents are gone and also daisy says about a mission they're on we're down to four but they don't know that which indicates some other people may have gone as well season six and season seven are both 13 episodes long because they wanted to give it a proper send-off they didn't want to just cancel it on a cliffhanger like so many previous shows you know not mentioning any names heroes but apparently season seven is going to have they've said it's going to tie into the marvel cinematic universe in a way that previous seasons have not so it may be that they've managed to write themselves out of a corner somehow with this the things that happen between season six and season seven suggest that that might be possible and we might have to see if they manage to make it work so the time travel stuff has all been taken care of at the end of season five so at the end of season five they managed to get back to their original timeline however they have picked up someone from that dystopian future who comes back with them who we later find out is Fitz and Simmons grandson and then because he's a man out of his own time there are people in the galaxy that are trying to find him because they think he's some kind of temporal anomaly and he's you know messing up the balance of the universe and all that stuff there's only one timeline in season six which is back in the present day and the events of season five at the end of season five this is where we have to get a bit into the more um, of the storyline but season five everyone is sent into the future apart from Fitz and so Fitz has to freeze himself to travel forward 90 years in order to find everyone and rescue them and bring them back but when he comes back with them the events of season five in the finale Fitz actually dies and so season six is where they go out to find the original Fitz who froze himself who is still out there and so that is where Daisy and Gemma go out into space traveling between different planets in their spaceship trying to find Fitz and bring him back which involves a really really weird episode where they get high at a casino. Fitz has to gamble for his life at what is basically an intergalactic casino and Daisy and Gemma accidentally ingest some kind of intergalactic LSD and end up tripping and saying really sort of you're my best friend and acting really really drunk and it's really really weird and takes out of the sort of thriller 
sci-fi aspect of this film into that's one thing that I didn't mention that I wanted to about the fact that this is a Whedon TV show and the thing about Joss Whedon and his, bro- his brother Jed Whedon is the executive producer the thing about those shows is that they are known for killing off their main characters unexpectedly and without warning and so that means that the tension is ramped up a lot higher than it would be in other shows because there's a thing in um, TV tropes known as plot armour where you know that characters are going to be safe because they're the main characters and they're obviously going to make it to the end of the show and Whedon shows don't have that they will kill main characters on a whim so when you're going through stuff like season 3 and season 4 you genuinely have no idea if your characters are going to survive to the end of it. With a couple of notable exceptions, most of the main characters have, so there's there's less of a drama than there was early on. Although having said that, we're coming up to the final season, so who knows what they're going to decide to do there. I'm kind of torn because I do like it when shows deviate from the norm and it's not the same thing every single week, but at the same time, when you get into a show as deep as this and you're desperate to find out what's going to happen next, when they take an episode where they're just getting drunk in a bar, part of you is going this is really fun and part of you is going get on with it. It's striking that balance between having something fun for the characters to do that they haven't done before, but also sort of moving the plot on so that you're not stuck in this sort of get on with it kind of scenario that I think is very difficult for writers, particularly when you get to these established characters, because half of the audience will be going, this is really weird and I love it. And the other half will be going, why are they getting drunk? Why are they not rescuing their friend? Come on, get, yeah. Well, that brings us neatly on to, which hasn't been broadcast yet, Series 7, which we know, I keep switching between season and series. got to do something about that. Very little has been revealed apart from the cast which I'm not even going to say what the one that made me think whoa was but there is one in there where if you've been watching to this point you'll wonder where they're going with this. There's also Hayley Atwell's confirmed as Peggy Carter and some characters who haven't been seen for a couple of series appear to be returning as well. So when that's on David will you come back and do it? Absolutely yeah I'd love to. I'm happy to come back and talk about season 7 and then we can talk about the series as a whole and have a completely sort of spoiler filled discussion. Sounds good to me. So there's just one thing left for me to ask now. David if you had a flying car what would you use it for? Well I'm currently moving house at the moment so it would make that a hell of a lot easier well yeah i can see the logic there david thank you and excelsior thanks very much tim this is a fantastic podcast and i'm so glad that i could be on it excelsior mate if you've enjoyed this don't forget you can find the first part of my chat with david about agents of shield and much more besides including more editions of it's good except it sucks and details of my book can't help thinking about me at timworthington.org